You are Locked On Ducks, your daily podcast on the Oregon Ducks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Yes, it is that time once again for Locked On Ducks. I'm Spencer McLaughlin, your host. Thank you for making this your first listen every day. It's part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your number one source to stay up to date with the Ducks every single day. Remember, you can hit me up on Twitter at any time if you want a question answered here on the show, at Smalls underscore 55 or at Locked On Ducks, or tweet using the hashtag AskLODPod. Conversation today with Joey Mack, Director of Oregon Broadcasting, Voice of Oregon Baseball and Men's Basketball. We get to Travis Dye and C.J. Verdell, the other transfers the Ducks have gotten, and a look ahead to the season that is upcoming to finish it out for Oregon Men's Basketball. Let's get into it. Here we go. And I welcome back on to the Locked on Ducks podcast, Joey McMurray. You know him as Joey Mack, Duck fans, part of the trio of Jerry, Georgie, and Joey, radio voice of Oregon men's basketball and baseball, director of the Oregon Sports Network, and a mentor of mine for the last couple of years. Joey, great to have you on the show once again. Fencer, good to see you, buddy. Hope things are going well, and uh, let's hope for a few more victories here over the Beavs, huh? <laughs> yeah, we we can only hope, you know. Uh, th- things were... We're going pretty hot for Oregon basketball. Then they uh, they took a hit a little bit of a speed bump against Colorado. We'll get to that later, but let's start on, on the football side because the news has been plentiful in that area. And Travis Dye announces that he is going to USC. And you know we'll get to Verdell next and him going to the NFL. But me personally, Joey, I was pretty caught off guard. I didn't think that he would go to USC if he did end up leaving Oregon. I was surprised he was in the portal in, in the first place. What did you make of that whole situation? Well, first, I should say that honestly, nothing surprises me about college football anymore. <laughs> like literally nothing surprises me about college football anymore. I think the portal has certainly changed things, you know, and just the way that the recruiting calendar is now truly all season long, all year long. You know, you want to make sure that guys stay on campus. And, you know, I will also say just like when a guy goes pro, I think there's so many other things that that, that factor into a guy's decision. And you know, reading what Travis wrote on social media, that, that sure seems like that factored into it for Travis. So I wish him nothing but the best, Spencer. I mean, he's a great guy. No matter what happens, the Die family has left a, a lasting legacy on the Oregon football program. And, and I think that Duck fans should be n- nothing more than just gratified and, and excited for, for the Die family and, and what the future is for, for them. So that's kind of how I feel on it. Nothing really does surprise me anymore. And I know that's a, a cliche answer, but it's the truth. I mean, look, if, if you told me in 2012 that an Oregon running back was going to transfer to USC, not only would he not have been immediately eligible, he, he would have probably had to sit out another year and maybe he wouldn't have transferred in the first place. I mean, I, there's just so many things that you can reference as to how everything has changed over the course of, of the last few years in college football. So nothing surprises me. Um, and I hope that Travis and, uh, and Oregon meet in a championship game. How about that? Uh, that yeah. would be that'd be fun. Yeah, no, that that was what I was about to say is we aren't currently scheduled to play against Travis Dye, but I hope we get the chance to do so because that means Oregon will be back in what would be its uh, 
what fourth consecutive Pac-12 championship game. I have that yeah, right? I mean that. I mean that's that. That's the dream, right? That that's yeah. what you. That's what you're playing for. So I agree. I mean, I think that that's what it's all about. And to be honest with you, and and I said this to Coach Cristobal after he he departed for Miami. You know, I I hope that Oregon and Miami meet in a college football playoff game here in the next few years, right? Oh. Like that would be awesome. I mean, yeah. look, I. I know that, you know, it's hard going through transition and, and those things suck. And, and it look at me, it, it affects me, right? Like it, just on the very basic level of this conversation, all of it affects me because who I'm talking to and who I'm coordinating with that changes, you know, but that's just part of it. It's part of life in any industry and particularly in, in college athletics, that that's kind of been how it's, how it's happened. So I, you know, I'm looking forward to it. Here's hoping that it's a it's a reunion between Oregon and Travis Die here in in a few months in a championship game, and then maybe who knows uh, next year? Maybe it's Oregon Miami college football playoff. I I just think that that's kind of the, the way that the industry is, and and I think that that's kind of what in some ways makes it fun because look, look, as we sit here and say, God, we wish Travis would have stayed. Absolutely, but you know, from just a on the field perspective, absolutely. You wish he would have stayed, but look, I mean, Spencer, the ducks have taken advantage of the transfer portal too. And yep. so I, that, that's just kind of the nature of the business right now. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I, I think you made a great point in there about the die family has given a lot to the university of Oregon. I mean, we got eight years total between Travis and Troy who were both outstanding players. I, I don't think that, you know, Travis owed Oregon that fifth year or anything like that. I think he had an, an outstanding career. The record books reflect that. He's the fifth all-time leading rusher in, in Oregon history. And, you know, the guy who's right behind him, C.J. Verdell, announced that he's going to the NFL. That one didn't surprise me as much because I think as, as pro prospects, Verdell is a little bit of a bigger back and, and might shape up better in the league, though I think Travis dies the potential to be effective, potentially you know, as a third down sort of guy. What did you make of Verdell going to the league, and how do you think this will, will affect Oregon's running back room? Well, it certainly does affect Oregon's running back room because it's been about, God, I'm trying to think back probably 10, 15, 20 years when, when Oregon's had this few rushing yards returning. You know, the Ducks have been so fortunate to have so many guys that, that have been able to carry the ball effectively. They've been able to use kind of that one-two punch that you always talk about in, in running back rooms. The Ducks have had a lot of that rotation, but really Verdell and Die, I think they were a real pairing, right? It was like the twin backs for the Ducks that were always effective. And, you know, I, I, I think that for CJ, I wish him nothing but the best. I can, I hope he stays healthy, Spencer. I mean, you know, that that's yeah. really been the bugaboo of his career. I mean, he, he may be Oregon's leading rusher, right? If, if he was able to stay healthy. And it, what was amazing is, you know, prior to a, let's see, last season, prior to last season, he, he had never missed a game, but he had a hard time finishing games, right? That was kind of the thing that had always gotten CJ Verdell. And some of that is just the way that he carries the ball and the way that he's really physical running the ball. Oregon's old running back coach, Jim Master, always used to say that, you know, sometimes we need to do a better job of getting him out of games because we know that he is so physical in all these situations. And, you know, that that's part of the deal, right? Like that, that is part of that, of that position, but God, he has the talent, doesn't he? We, we saw that so often. I mean, I, you know, I was thinking about like my favorite CJ Verdell memories and the, the one that comes to mind for everybody is going to be the game winning touchdown in overtime against Washington. Awesome moment. Absolutely love it. CJ oh, goes yeah. nuts. Players go nuts. It's great. But you know, the one that may be lasting for me too, is I thought he showed a lot of what he could do at the next level in that run to start the second half against Ohio state 
when he busts that thing, he gets through the line. It's a quick burst. And then he's just gone through the secondary. He's done that a few times in his Oregon career, but I think that's the sort of ability that he has at the next level. And I think to your point, that's why he is going to be a valuable pro prospect. So I hope that he's healthy. I hope that he's able to, to, to get something going in his career, because I do think that he can be a really, really important piece uh, moving forward. And I, and I just wish him nothing but the best. He's an awesome guy, been through a lot. And, and I hope that he has nothing but bright things ahead of him. And I, and I will say, you know, guys like, like CJ Verdell, you know, they leave a lasting legacy because now the comparison to between him and Byron Cardwell was actually made by Travis Dye a few different times this year. He said, you know, Hey, Cardwell kind of reminds me of the way that, that CJ Verdell runs the ball. If he's running it like CJ Verdell, then I think the ducks are going to be in pretty good shape. I think Cardwell has the ability to be really, really good moving forward for the ducks. And then talking about your other question, how it affects the entire running back room. I mean, Seven McGee has shown he can be really versatile, has been working with receivers. It was toward the end of the season. I'm really fascinated to see where new offensive coordinator Kenny Dillingham ends up putting Seven McGee. How do they utilize him? Maybe he's in both of those position rooms at times. And then Sean Dollar's coming off an injury, Spencer. I think I think that's a, a sort of X factor to Oregon's running back room. I mean, Sean Dollar's and Byron Cardwell, Seven McGee were all highly touted recruits. Now it's their time to shine. Now it's their time to shine. Hey, Duck fans, Spencer McLaughlin here with an incredible app who everyone that buys gas needs to know about. Get Upside. My listeners are earning cash back for every gallon of gas every time they fill up. Just download the free Get Upside app in the App Store or Google Play right now. Use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon or more on your first fill-up cash back. Don't pay full price at the pump. Use cash back by using Get Upside. Just download the free app and use promo code SCORE for $0.25 cents per gallon on your first tank. Some people who drive a lot are making as much as two to $300 a year in cash back, and there's no catch. You can cash out any time to the banking or PayPal or whatever venue of your choice for financials. Use promo code SCORE with the free GetUpside app for $0.25 cents per gallon or more cash back on your first tank. That's code SCORE. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Yeah, and you talk about Oregon going into the transfer portal. You know, I'm I'm sure there'll be more guys who come through, but they've already gotten guys who could potentially have an impact on this football team in, in 2022. And Taki Taimani from Washington and Christian Gonzalez you know, obviously Bo Nix is out there. We've talked about him plenty on, on this pod. And, you know, come the fall, I'm sure he will often be a topic of discussion once again when it comes to the Ducks and, and football. But those two guys on the defensive side with a defensive coach and Dan Lanning coming in, what do you see as their potential impact on the Ducks in the secondary and on the D-line? Well, I think that it's paramount because game reps matter. Right. Like you can be the the biggest potential prospect in in the country, in the world. 
but game reps matter, right? Like there's a reason that it's so hard for freshmen to get on the field right away. And then there's also a reason that freshmen that get on the field tend to get way better by the end of the season, right? Like this is not anything new for anybody, right? Like this is just kind of what goes on um, in terms of, of player development. So those snaps matter, right? And, and so I think for two guys that have Pac-12 experience, I think that matters too, right? Like the scouting reports for them, it's not going to be all new. It's going to be the experience factor that they have that I think will help them get on the field. I really like Gonzalez personally, like just watching him at Colorado, really like what he does. You know, I mean, he's honorable mention in the conference for a reason. And that's a big time, that's a big time addition. And then I, I do think the Ducks needed depth on the defensive line, right? And, and so again, bringing in a guy who has done it, who has done it at this level and has done it at a high level, I think that's so valuable. Game reps matter, man. Game reps matter. And, and I think that's why the transfer portal, you know, it. There, there are so many guys that enter the transfer portal because maybe they're not playing at their current institution. Well, the Ducks got a couple guys that were playing and playing really well at their past institutions. And I think that they're, you know, that that to me is going to matter a lot in evaluating how transfers end up working out over the course of the next few seasons. Because we know this is going to be the norm, right? We know that this is going to be the norm with, with, with the transfer portal. Yeah, it is. And, and Taimani, a guy who I think Husky fans on the whole, because of how heralded he was as a recruit, kind of felt disappointed with the, the lack of overall production. But then you go and look at, at the ratings like nerds like you and I do all the time and get into this stuff. And he was one of the five highest graded interior defensive linemen a, a season ago right. for, for the Huskies. And Oregon had the top two, uh, Dorless being number one and Almave was number two. So you've got three of the top five interior defensive linemen in the conference from a season ago. I think they have a, a chance to have a, a tremendous impact, both of them. And Gonzalez, a guy who was a three-star recruit to Colorado, but is in the portal as a four-star corner. So he's really elevated himself. And, you know, anytime Dan Lanning is going to be able to get his hands on a defensive player like that, who's shown that he's able to have an impact, I think the, the potential is right there for him to be uh, not just a starting corner, but a high level corner in, in the pac 12. Well, I agree. Well, I agree. Yeah. And let me just say, Spencer, I mean, I think you're talking about those pro football focus rankings. I think it's really interesting because I've had this conversation with a lot of coaches like, okay, how, how do you evaluate versus how does pro football focus evaluate? And certainly there's going to be differences, right? There's going to be discrepancies. But you, you said what was going to be my exact next point is that Brandon Dorless and Popo Amavai were the guys that were grading so, 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 so well every single week. And you add another one in there. I mean, I think that Taimani is a guy that you, you need depth at those positions. And, and those grading systems are the ones that can give people like you and me, like you said, a little bit of a peek into, okay, well, how are they performing? Because look, it's not, it's not fair to those guys playing those positions because they're not going to get the stats all they're going to try to do is just tie up gaps and, and plug up holes and completely blow up offensive linemen. Well, you know, unless you're really watching it on film and really looking at that in real time, sometimes I don't even notice what the defensive linemen are doing, right? You kind of do have to go back and see it. And so, yeah, I, I love that you brought that up because I think that's a big part of football, you know, winning in the trenches is I think the most important piece of a football team. If you don't win in the trenches, you're not going to win the game. The Ducks, the Ducks look like they have a lot of weapons on both sides of the trenches coming back to be pretty darn good. Yeah, I, I, I love, absolutely love the prospects for the offensive line. And last thought on, on football here with you, Joey, when you were talking about C.J. Verdell, I forgot to mention this earlier, not just a guy who had 
a really good productive career at Oregon. But remember, some of you might have forgotten how his freshman season began. He came in, he was a, a pretty notable recruit, and we started to see him get touches, and he was you know, clearly a talented guy. And do you remember the first moment where we all really learned C.J. Verdell's name, at least, at least that I remember? Well, if you're talking about the Stanford fumble. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am. But I think that's a testament to him and, and the mental fortitude that he has. And that's often an overlooked part of guys' prospects at the next level. He went from that being known for the freshman running back who fumbled at the end of the Stanford game that led to the only home loss in the Mario Cristobal era. He went from that to one of the six most productive rushers would have been top five, most likely had he not gotten hurt in Oregon history. And I I think that says a lot about him as a guy. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's a good point. You know, he came a long way and he got a lot of questions asked to him about, you know, how much did he learn from that experience and, and et cetera, et cetera. But you know, that, that really is a, a, a good example of a guy that, for lack of a better description, just believes in the process and you have to keep going about it in that way, right? So, yeah, I think that's a great point. You know, I, I think that mental fortitude is something that is very difficult to quantify, but it's also kind of easy to see, you know, because when a guy crumbles and, and is constantly making mistakes, maybe ends up not playing as, as well or not playing at all moving forward, you notice that. That was never CJ, right? That was never CJ Verdell. And I think that that's, that's a great point. You know, it's, it's a testament to his mental toughness. It's the new year, so that means New Year's resolutions, Duck fans. If yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your New Year's resolution. It tastes so good, you'll want to eat it, unlike other protein bars, which can be chalky, waxy, or taste like a chemical spill. Built Bars, covered in 100% real chocolate, Most of them contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein compared to a candy bar, which usually has around 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. So here's an idea for the new year. Go to all your secret treat stashes at home, in the pantry, at the office, in the car, wherever they are, throw out all the sugary or calorie-filled treats, replace them with Built Bar. So when you're craving a snack or treat, you can reach for something that's healthy and tastes in Credible. Go to built.com, use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off your order. That is promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Okay, with Joey Mack, the radio voice of Oregon men's basketball, Terry Johns, of course, does those duties on on the women's side and does a great job as well. Uh, let's talk about Oregon basketball because as we record this, it is the end of January. Today is the uh, the 27th to be exact. And to me, Joey, that means March is just right around the corner. And I'm, I'm counting down the days to that. And then the Masters in the first weekend of April. I mean, this is one of my, <laughs> one of my favorite times of year all around. And I'm sure many of you listening uh, have caught up on the fact that I'm a, I'm, I'm a big golf guy. But the men and the women have had similar seasons thus far. They both had the preseason hype. Things didn't go as planned in the November and December months. They fell well out of the top 25, and now they have worked themselves back into, you know, the the women have cracked the top 25 at at number 19 last I had checked, and the men were approaching that before the loss against Colorado. What, What is it about these two coaches, Dana Altman and Kelly Graves, that allow them to, you know, just instill that resilience in their teams 
to, to trust the process and ultimately start to play their best basketball come March? Well, a few things. One, they're just good coaches from an X's and O's and a scouting report standpoint. I, I think that that's a big piece. Uh, but, you know, one other that, that comes to mind for me, Spencer, is as I look up and down the, the rosters and there's always a lot of experience there. And I think that it's it's interesting to to look at these two seasons because a few different reasons. One, the Ducks had some injuries on both sides, right, for the men and the women. We, we dealt with injuries and you saw that. So it's it's always fascinating for me to sit there and look at at over the course of a season, right, who was in, who was out. And unfortunately, in the last two years in, in the COVID era, there's been more guys in and out. Like one of the first things I do in a box score is, is look to see who played, right, who sat out, who didn't play. So first of all, I hate that. Injuries are the worst part of sports, right? Yeah. Like it, it really is the, the worst part of sports. But the other side of that coin here is that if you're Oregon, that meant on the women's side, a lot of different athletes got in and played significant minutes early in the season. A lot of different, a lot of different ones. So as a result of that, I think that you're now seeing that everyone is healthy because the Ducks had so many injuries early in the season. You're now seeing that those athletes that were playing in individual individual roles that maybe they didn't plan to play in heading into the season now suddenly they're able to settle into a little bit more of that role that they were going to have and then what do you know there's just a lot more depth so I think in this individual season that's just the example on the women's side that's why you're seeing them get better and better and and also look I mean you have three of the best players in the conference that are now healthy getting better and better so that's I think what's going on this year in general it's just because Kelly Graves is a really good coach I mean let's be honest he recruits the right players and he recruits ones that want to win at the end of the season now on the men's side they had guys in and out due to injury not as significant as the women but they had individuals out and, and I think that that did factor in like in the loss to Arizona State for example Eric Williams didn't play in that game right and you, you got to think that Eric Williams is good for a few points and a few rebounds to win that game against Arizona State now the Stanford loss that's one Oregon would like back they just didn't play all that well and so it looked like that the Ducks had figured some things out in terms of their defense making less mistakes and then also their offense and and particularly rebounding the basketball I think have been the biggest keys um, they got out rebounded they got outworked against Colorado uh, and Dane Allman said it you just can't do that at home just cannot do that at home so yeah I I think that for for the men for Dane Altman it's usually that he gets teams eventually to have that chemistry and that gel and they learn they got a rebound and then they can't make defensive mistakes I think that's the biggest thing over the time that I've spent with the men's basketball program the defense tends to get better and better because they have that chemistry and communication communication is the most important part of defense Right. And especially in a matchup zone where the Ducks have to utilize their switches well, that's a huge key. So I think that's a long winded answer to to what's happened this season, but also historically why Dana Altman's teams in particular tend to get better as the year goes on, because they do communicate better defensively. Yeah. And that that loss to Colorado, to me, it was just so unusual for not just a Dane Altman coach team, but this team in particular. I mean, they were up 15. They scored the right. first 13 points of the game. They're up 15. Yeah, it was the first half. But anytime you have a 15-point lead at home and then you end up trailing at one point by six, that's a 21-point turnaround that you let a, a decent but not great Colorado team do on your home court. And I almost wonder, Joey, if 
it will sort of refocus or re-energize them. And maybe, you know, after that, that thrashing of Washington over the weekend, they, they come out and they have the big lead against Colorado and maybe they went on cruise control and lost that, that sort of grit and, and mental edge that they've been playing with over the last couple of weeks. Maybe this Buffalo's loss will, will sort of re-energize them to play with that every minute of every game. And hopefully we see that against the beefs. Well, that's the hope, right? I mean, that, that, that's the hope is that you, you kind of do get punched in the mouth. You get reminded that maybe you don't have things figured out as well as you'd like. And, and that, that is the hope. I mean, I, I think that's one of the most difficult pieces of coaching is, you know, you, you don't want to be constantly like nitpicking when teams are winning, but also as a coach, you know, that you still got to get better, right? There's still always something that you can get better at. Maybe this is that reminder. I think that particularly rebounding, the Ducks are just going to have to work harder rebounding the basketball. You know, and I think getting Kepnong and Dante in foul trouble early in the second half did impact things. You know, that that certainly changed the rotations. But the, the positive sign from that game is that Quincy Gurrier looked like the player that, that we know he can be after he was a third-team all-conference ACC yes. guy at Syracuse last year. So, you know, he scored in over 20 points. He looked like he was better rebounding. I mean, I think... You know, that's the positive. So if he turns the corner, because I, I was talking to Coach Altman about that actually a few days ago. Like if Quincy Gurrier, Rivaldo Soares, if those guys take a step forward, kind of like Davion Harmon and Jacob Young did over the last few weeks, I, I think that you're going to be looking at an Oregon team that's in a much better spot. So maybe they regressed. Maybe they took a step back. But, yeah, you hope that now it's it's a step in the right direction after some of those guys have kind of pieced things together. So. What's that going to look like? I, I think it's going to look like rebounding the heck out of the ball against Oregon State. I think that's going to be a huge, huge key. If the Ducks do not rebound well, things won't go well. Um, and the numbers tell you that, right? I mean, Oregon's only lost one game this year when they've out-rebounded their opposition, and it was to Baylor. So all in all, I, I think that that's what it's going to take. Got to rebound, got to keep doing those sorts of things well. Yeah, and I think this team is certainly capable of it because now that you see all these guys, you know, the Davion Harmons and Jacob Youngs of the world coming into their own and settling in, playing for Dana Altman and Eugene, and, you know, Kepnong and Dante have emerged as, as such a dynamic duo inside, I think. Not that they play together, but that, you know, they're very similar in a lot of ways when I watch them, but they're both very effective. So Coach Altman then has the ability to put one in or pull the other one out and not lose what the previous guy w was bringing. Would you say that that's a, a good assessment of him? I think so. I mean, it, you know, I've, I've talked to the assistant coach, Mike Menega about that, that, you know, it's, it, it's almost like you have two guys with, with similar, but different skill sets. And when you put them together for 40 minutes, it's one of the best big men that you're going to find because the defense and energy of Kepnong is off the charts and the offensive ability, skill, and touch around the basket from Dante is off the chart. So keeping them out of foul trouble and then continuing to rebound well, I think, is the next step for those guys. You know, they, especially because Oregon plays three guards, right, in, in the majority of their sets. A lot. So it's really important for, for those guards to rebound well. But if you've got a guy that could just fill up the middle, that goes a long way in rebounding. So I do think that's a good assessment, though. I mean, I think. I think that there, there are certainly next steps for both of those guys. And, and look, game reps and experience matter. Like we were talking about with football, Frank Kepnong is relatively new to basketball. And, and Folly Dante is a guy who's gone through so many injuries that even though he's been on campus for, this is his third season, but he's only played, I think about 20 something games right now in his career. So all of that factors in, right? Game reps matter. <laughs> game reps yeah, matter. Game, game reps too. And I think it's great that, 
you know, they've got guys in Harmon and Young and Richardson who are all tremendous guards. And Richardson, you know, listed as a guard. He's also six foot five, so he's definitely a bigger body out there. But all of them so tremendously experienced. And by the time you get to March, teams that are playing their best basketball at the college level almost always have high level veteran guard play. You go 100%. look at the, the, the last few national champions. I mean, really, the, the last 10 years or so, finally the team that didn't have you know, either a veteran guard or a high level guard that, that, that was able to, to get them there. And, you know, there, there are a couple last thing for you here, Joey, and then I'll, I'll let you go. The big games that are coming up for Oregon, I think, you know, with, with this Colorado loss, if you look at their resume and what they'll need to get into the tournament without having to win the, the PAC 12 conference championship tournament, they might have to get one or two more wins. When you look at the Arizona USC and, and UCLA games, I have to imagine they, they need at least one more of those and then, you know, hold serve as best they can for the rest of the schedule. What, what do you make of their, their prospect as, as a tournament team without a tournament championship? I think if you finish fourth in the league, I think you're in because I just can't imagine the analytics and the net rankings are going to work out that if you're the fourth best team in a league that has probably a, maybe one seed, a two seed, and then USC, who knows where they end up, but, a four, five, six, seven seed. I mean, you're telling me that the fourth best team in a league that's got maybe a two, a two, and a six in terms of seed lines isn't going to get into the tournament based on the net rankings. I just, I don't know if I buy that. Now, the loss to Colorado really hurts because it's, it probably right now looks like it's Oregon and Colorado that are battling to be that fourth best team in the league. So that certainly hurts. Uh, so if they need to go get one against UCLA, USC at home, do they need to win at McHale? Maybe. But I also think if they take care of business and maybe they win in Boulder for the first time in Dane Altman's tenure as the head coach of the Ducks, I think that changes things, right? The, the net rankings, I think, and, and ultimately the analytics, I, I have a feeling will work out that if you finish fourth, I don't, I don't think that they need to win the Pac-12 tournament. Would it be nice? Absolutely. It would <laughs> yeah. be nice. And the Ducks are still the only team that has had to play in the first round of the Pac-12 tournament. First team that, or only team that, didn't have a buy and then went on to win the darn thing. Um, so it's been done before. Coach Altman has ha has more wins than any other coach in the history of the Pac-12 tournament. So I wouldn't put it past him, but I think it just me looking at the analytics, maybe this is a Pac-12 bias in me. I just can't imagine if you're the fourth best team in the Pac-12, you're not going to make the tournament this year. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. And I also would uh, would agree that it might be nice just to leave out the the stress of will we get in on, on selection Sunday? Because I think after this past football season, we as Oregon fans have, have had enough stressful outcomes that are coming down to the last, the very, the very last moment. Spencer, there. I hate to tell you this, but, but, but right now uh, being a, a fan of any sport, there's going to be a, a high level of stress. And you know what? I'd rather be in those stressful games and those stressful moments. Cause if you're not, then that means you're probably losing a lot of games. Pressure is a privilege. That is 100% right. correct. Words of wisdom to end today's show. Joey Mack, I appreciate you coming on the show, director of the Oregon Sports Network. You'll hear from him again in future episodes, Duck fans, and we always appreciate it. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Spencer. Appreciate it. Yeah, always appreciate having him on and getting to talk to people that are in and around the University of Oregon, talking to head coaches and players all the time. It is really, really awesome. He's a great guy. Great to have him back on the show, and you will hear from him more as, uh, as the show goes on, which is why you should like and subscribe if you have not already. I thank you all for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day, and go Ducks.